Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. Happy Father's Day. We're really glad that you guys are joining us. Glad that you're joining us online. Um, I want to thank you so much for being a part of uh, Hilton Head Island Community Church, being a part of your church, even when you have to be separated. You guys have been uh, great about being connected. And today is Father's Day, otherwise known as Mother's Day, but less expensive, as one little girl wrote. So uh, anyway, I'm really glad that you guys have joined in today here on Father's Day 2020. And I realize Father's Day 2020 is a lot different than any of us ever expected in a thousand different ways. And today we're going to be taking a look at God's Word and what God's Word has to say about the good Father. Now, um, this past week um, I got on social media and I asked uh, for people to give descriptions of their dad, one-word descriptions. And I had a few people say that's impossible because one word doesn't describe my dad, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, but uh, there, there were a lot of great responses. And in fact, the thought crossed my mind that every response, minus maybe one or two, they were kind of like Sunday school responses, right? They were kind of like the best responses. And I think there's good reason for that, because on Father's Day, we try to remember and we try to reflect and we try to focus on the best of our dads, right? We try to focus on those amazing qualities of dad. And we don't like to focus on the negative, and nor should we on, on Father's Day. Here are some of the, the responses that I received. And don't worry, some of you are like, oh my goodness, he's going to say my name. I'm not going to say your name. But uh, here are some of the ones that, that we received. Um, that dad was a protector, that he was a provider. I would say that one for sure for my dad. That he was loving, that he uh, sacrificed, that he was honest, adventurous. Isn't that cool? I'd love to be the dad that was called adventurous. That's awesome. I love that one. That was great. Adventurous. Dedicated. Always there. Two words, but that's all right. Always there. Caring. Hero. Hero. How many of our dads were heroes to us? How many of our fathers or maybe grandfathers or that person that served in the, the capacity of a father, they were heroes Someone said fair, and I like that. Encourager, wise, determined, wonderful, and steady. All those great qualities that we admire in the father figures that we have or the fathers that we have, it's also the thing that we who are fathers maybe desire in our own lives. But the truth of the matter is that there are times when, like, this whole idea of striving to be those great positive descriptions of who dad is, sometimes it falls short. And in fact, I realize that for some of you, Father's Day is, is not a great day, like Stephanie said earlier. For some of you, Father's Day is a day where you're reminded of a couple things. Um, one is that your dad is not perfect. Dads aren't perfect. Dads fail. Dads fall down. Dads act out of anger and frustration sometimes. I, I like to think of myself as a good dad, and I, I just mentioned that I would describe my dad as a great provider. And I, I, I think of myself as, as a good provider as well. Maybe not to the level my dad was, but I'm a good provider. And I like to think of myself as a, as a protector um, and, and someone who loves my family. And when I think about those things, I think that with God's help and with his grace, there are times when, when I, like, achieve those things, but there are times when I fail to achieve those things. 
few years ago, I made a big deal out of um, something I had read in a devotional, and the devotional talked about how dads are supposed to be like the house sheriff. And like, I went around the house, and at night, I was the sheriff. It was like, okay, this is my town, and I'm going to put it to bed, and I'm going to make sure everything is locked up. I'm going to make sure that everything is safe. I'm going to make sure that all the lights are turned out. I'm going to pray over my kid's doorpost like that's something special um, as a dad. And I'm going to, you know, it's going to be this whole spiritual thing. Um, and I did it for a day, and, and then I failed. <laughs> And I forgot the next day. And then I did it like on the third day, except I forgot one thing. I forgot to lock the front door. It's like the most obvious thing. And so I'd failed in my job as a protector. Fortunately, nothing happened because God filled the gap. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Some of you realize on Father's Day that dads are not perfect. That we live in a sinful world. We live in a world where um, things happen. We live in a world where we make mistakes, and so we realize that dads aren't perfect. Situations aren't ideal. Some of you who may be listening or watching, um, you may have a situation where um, you have a father who passed away, maybe even recently. And so there's a gap there because the situation that you're in is not ideal. Maybe you have a father that had uh, some kind of disease or some kind of sickness or maybe even mental illness, and they couldn't be the father that maybe they wanted to be, and so the situation wasn't ideal. And so a message about the good father on Father's Day, it may stir up some painful emotional feelings in your life because your situation with your dad wasn't ideal. And then the third thing is, is that life is not always good. Some of you who may be listening or watching, um, you may have a situation or may have had a situation where for whatever reason, your dad you know, abandoned you or your dad was absent. He was out of the picture. Some of you who are listening or watching, you may be in this position that you never thought you'd be in and suddenly you find yourself in the position of having to fill the role of a father. Some of you are single moms and you may be watching and going, how in the world does this message connect to me? And I want to let you know today that I believe this message connects to you. It connects to all of us who serve in the role of a father. But it also is something that can serve us and it, it helps us as we understand our good father. You see, dads are not perfect. Situations are not always ideal and life is not always going to be good. But I want you to know today that we have a good heavenly father. We have a heavenly father that loves us and he accepted us and he chose us and in doing so, he set the stage for the kind of men that we ought to strive to be. He set the stage for the type of fathers that we strive to be. He set the stage for the type of, of man that we should be for our families, those of you who are serving in the role of a father, because we have a good heavenly father. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to begin there today. And uh, the verses, of course, will be on the screen for those of you who are watching uh, live online and watching online. Um, the Apostle Paul talks about this idea of, of fatherhood, and he uses a word towards the end of this passage that I really want to drill down and focus on. And so let's read together as we read these five verses. 
verses 12 through 17 of Romans chapter 8. It says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're going to come back to that in a moment. For you did not, verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to, to, uh, slavery to fall back into fear. We're going to talk about that in the month of July. But you have received the spirit of adoption. Probably one of my favorite themes in scripture is the spirit of adoption. We're going to come back to that in a moment. He says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, Jesus was revolutionary. If we, even if we put aside for just a moment the belief that we have that he was our savior, he was revolutionary. He taught different things as a rabbi in the Jewish tradition. He taught completely revolutionary things about who God was and our relationship with him. The fact that he taught that we could actually have a restored relationship with God without um, all the things that were required through relationship, not a bunch of rules, was a wildly different thing. It was significantly different. And so Jesus, even in the very specifics of his teaching, he was a revolutionary, and he does something extraordinary in the Lord's Prayer. And while we're not going to dive into it today, um, most of you know how the Lord's Prayer begins. It begins with our Father. Our Father. Our Father. And Jesus' connecting Father with God was absolutely earth shattering in that day and age. This would have been a revolutionary concept because back in that day, the, the word Father and God were hardly ever used together. To address God as Father was, was a complete change of mindset in the Jewish tradition. In fact, the Hebrews feared God so much and attached so much sacredness to who God was and to his name that they wouldn't even utter his name. And in fact, in the Old Testament, we only see God referred to as Father seven times in all of the Old Testament. And yet Jesus, in teaching us, I want you to think about this for a moment, like in teaching us how to pray, he begins by addressing God as what? As Father. He says, our Father, our Father. And in doing so, he changed the view of of the relationship between humanity and God. And he brought God in some sense down to earth for us to be able to see and understand and have a connection with because in that moment when he says, Father, all of a sudden we can understand. All of a sudden it makes sense. Study after study after study says that 
the view of God that we have is most shaped by the father or the father figure we have in our lives. Study after study after study says that, that whoever our father is, who, whoever that person is that, that we think of as dad, whether it's our earthly father, whether it's our biological father or someone else who served in that role, study after study says that the number one way that we view God is through the eyes of our earthly father. And as a dad, that's a tough one, isn't it? That's a tough one to swallow. To think that my kids, who are nearly grown, they're in here today, and they heard me say nearly grown, and they'll probably remind me of that later. Like when I'm trying to discipline that, they'll probably say, Dad, you told us we were almost grown. Like they're like young adults now. And man, there have been times that I have failed to show them the best of God. And there have been times when I feel like I have shown them the best of God. But that is a heavy responsibility to understand that the number one way that we view God is through the lens or through the eyes of our earthly father. And I know what some of you are saying. Some of you are saying right now in this moment, you're saying, Todd, I, I cannot be true. It cannot be true. It cannot be true. Please don't let it be true. Maybe because of the experience you had with your earthly dad. I want to tell you that this message may be more for you than anyone else. The message may be more for you than anyone else. You see, sometimes who we are as dad, who we are as the, the earthly father to our children, or who our children like view us as, or who our dad was, sometimes that is an accurate reflection of who God is, but sometimes it's not. And in fact, the best way that we can find the truest picture of who God is as Father is through His Word. The, the Word of God gives us that truest picture of our Heavenly Father. And in doing so, God's Word set the standard. He set the standard for us, for every father. He, he also gave us a model. He didn't just tell us how to do it. He showed us how to do it. He modeled it for us. And also... I think he underlines and highlights the fact that he fills the gaps when we fail. He fills the gaps when our father fails. And so today, just very simply, I want us to look at three ways that our heavenly father is a good father and what we can do about that. First and foremost, the father loves you. The good father loves you. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking that is the most um, no-duh statement ever. And, and I'm glad that you get that, but Christ follower, aren't there times when you feel terribly unlovely? Aren't there times when, when you feel, when you have failed, whether it's as a dad or in your business or as a husband or a wife or a, a mom or a dad or a friend or a neighbor, when you failed miserably and you feel far from God's love, sometimes we need to be reminded of the basics. And one of the most basic things about God being the good heavenly father is that he loves you. He loves you. Some of you need to hear that today. He loves you. God, 
the Heavenly Father loves you. 1 John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. And if the very nature of God is love, then that means that he has the capacity to love you regardless of your stuff. We'll talk about that in a moment. And so the first challenge I have for you today is to receive the love of the Father. To receive the love of the Father. If 1 John 4, 8 is true that anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love, then the first thing that we need to do to, to kind of orient ourselves with the good Father, the good heavenly Father, is to receive the love of the Father. My, my best friend, my buddy named Brian, he's my best friend in the whole world, and um, I was talking to Brian recently, and he's reminded me of this over and over and over again. I was struggling in an area and called Brian up, and, and after explaining the situation, he just said, hey, Todd, Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. Remember that Daddy loves you. I love the Apostle Paul in that Romans 8 chapter that we began with because at the end of it, he adds the word that we may be more familiar with, especially as a young child when we're reaching out to our dad who we know will love us regardless of how fearful life is, and we reach out and we say, Daddy. And even though that, that word, once you get past about 12 or, or 13 years old, is kind of like one of those words you don't want to use, especially in front of your friends, communicates everything about who God is. Daddy loves you. And for some of you, receiving the love of the Father means that you receive it again after maybe going through a difficult time. It, it doesn't mean that you're saved again, but it means that you reorient yourself with the fact that God is love and that he loves you and that he is my buddy Stan from New York, I love when he prays. I grew up in an environment where we prayed, you know, Heavenly Father, and there was this reverence about God, and that's great, and that's good, and, and however we want to address God, if it's biblical, I think that's a great way. But I love Stan, the way that he addresses God every time he prays. He says, Daddy, Daddy, and I love that. Receive the love of the Father, but don't just receive it, pass it on, emulate it. You could, see, we can't emulate something, we can't share something that we don't have, and so the first key in emulating the love of the good Father is receiving it, but then we've got to pass it on. We've got to walk in the spirit of the love that God showed us. And 1 John 4, 19 tells us this, that we love because he first loved us. And sometimes that verse may drive at motive, and it does. And we're going to be talking about that in July, because I think that is a key verse in, in kind of uh, reconciling what we're dealing with as a country with the, the racial tensions that are existing and the racism that still exists. But i got to tell you, in terms of understanding God's love, I think what this verse is, is talking about is less about motive and more about source. That our love can be passed on, even when we don't feel like it, to the next generation and to our kids. And we can pass on that love to others because God first loved us. It's the source of our love. 
that when we're weak, we can still do it. When we're angry, we can still do it. That when we're irritated, we can still do it. That when we're busy, we can still pay attention. But if we don't realize that's our source, we're going to fail. And so first and foremost, the good heavenly father, he loves you. He loves you. And secondly, he chose you. The good father, the good heavenly father, he chooses you. He chooses you. He, he does something that's incredible here. He chooses you. In, in Romans that we just read, there's a progression. He calls us, he first calls us sons of God. And then he calls us children of God. And then he talks about being adopted heirs of Christ or with Christ. Like, I want you to think about that progression for a moment, because in that day and age, the, a son of, of someone had certain rights, but a lot of responsibilities. A, a child of God, a, a son or daughter, had a lot of rights, and, and they had some responsibilities. But someone who is adopted and given the keys to the kingdom has a tremendous list of rights that they did nothing at all to earn. God simply chose that person, plucked them out of whatever situation they were in, and chose them. And you and I, we are chosen as adopted heirs of God's kingdom. And that doesn't mean that we don't have responsibilities. In fact, I think the opposite is true. Uh, Ephesians 4, uh, verse 1. By the way, we should live as an heir of the Father if we are going to be people who are adopted and, and, and that the Father chose us. We've got to be people who live as an heir of the Father. And Ephesians 4, chapter 1 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, this is Paul speaking, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you, he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Listen, church, if we have been adopted by God, then we need to live like people who have been adopted by God as heirs with all the spiritual blessings that we receive as adopted sons and daughters of the good, good father. And then we need to leave a spiritual inheritance for future heirs. See, understanding that we are our heirs that, that have this inheritance, that we are adopted and have this inheritance, we too then need to be people who leave a spiritual inheritance inheritance for future heirs. Proverbs, all the way back in the Old Testament, Proverbs 22, verse 6, says this. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, even when he's old. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, or she should go, or they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And see, I think that sometimes, I'm going to talk to the dads for a moment, because I buy into this sometimes too. 
I think that sometimes we talk ourselves into the fact that this is, is a verse for the moms. Like this is a great Mother's Day passage. Like, Todd, you need to use this next May, all right? Not next June, right? Like we think of it that way. We think of it in terms of like maybe this is mom's job, the more nurturing maybe one who, you know, is like got a kind of an edge on their spiritual walk. But listen, dads, this is our responsibility too. And in fact, in many ways, and this is a whole sermon for another time, a whole message for another time, we are to be priests of our home. And we are to pass on the spiritual heritage that we have received. Right now, just a mile down the road, um, we have this unusual thing happening on this Father's Day of 2020 because of COVID-19 and because of the quarantine that we were under in the previous months. Uh, the PGA Tour decided to move the heritage, and, and some of you have um, somehow gotten out there. I've seen you on uh, social media. So anyway, I don't know how you've done that, but call me later. Anyway, so, uh, and, and you guys have been, uh, you've seen what's going on, and, and we call it heritage for a reason. Because around here, there's, there's deep um, roots of heritage. There's deep roots of, of legacy, of generations that have come and that have gone and they're passing on values and they're passing on certain things to the next generation and and they feel that that's their responsibility in church listen we as christ followers have a responsibility to pass on the inheritance to the next generation see when the good father chose us it means that we choose others and that we pass on those spiritual things so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. Over and over and over again, I hear stories of godly moms and dads who train their kids in God's word and they anchor them to the values and the truth of who God is. And they may go through some rough days. We all go through some rough days. But when they're old, they use that anchor and they pull themselves back towards God. And so the good father, he loves you. The good father, he chooses you. And lastly, the good father, he accepts you. The father accepts you. He loves you. He chooses you. And he accepts you just as you are. Just the way that you are. See, we need to receive the grace and the forgiveness of being accepted by the good father. Sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes we forget about the fact that, that all we have to do is believe in him and he fully accepts us. Romans 10, the same author from the beginning there, Paul, in, in Romans 8. In Romans 10, he says this in verses 9 through 13. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will what? You will be saved. With the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And verse 11 says this, for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Verse 12, he says, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. I want you to hear that again. There's no distinction between Jew or Greek. Again, a theme we'll come back to in July. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. 
for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you see, he accepts you in whatever condition that you're in. He accepts you in whatever condition you're in. And our job then as dads, our commission as fathers or maybe serving in the role of a father is to leave a generational legacy of acceptance. To leave a generational legacy of acceptance. You see, we're leaving a generational legacy of being tied and anchored to the truth of God's word. But we are also accepting the truth of who our kids and our children are. And that is, is that they're sinful humans saved by grace. I grew up in a home that was a, uh, it was a Navy home. And my dad's probably watching right now. So I'm going to be real careful what I say right now. My dad was an amazing provider. Amazing provider. He was an incredible protector. He was the sheriff of our home even when he couldn't be home. He was great at that. He was faithful. So faithful. Consistent. But my dad was a disciplinarian. He was tough. Whatever he said was expected, and if you fell short, you, you heard about it, right? You heard about it. And so there were times when I felt like, as, as a kid growing up, there were times that I felt like I fell drastically short of his expectations. And even as an adult, a few times along the way, I felt like I felt short of his expectations. I'm going to be honest here for a moment. There were times I deserved every bit of it because I felt short. I fell short because I wanted to fall short. <laughs> and my dad would discipline us. And he would keep us in line. Gently, lovingly, always reminding me and my sister that he loved us. Every time he disciplined us. And it was tough, but it was fair. And I got to tell you that as I've gotten older, I've realized that there was something else that he instilled in me and my sister. And that is that it didn't matter how far we strayed away from God or from the house. Yes, we knew there were expectations. But if we went a long way off in the distance from he and my mom and God, we knew that we could come home. We knew at the end of the day we would be accepted by his loving arms. And so we, as people, we as dads, we who serve in the role of a dad, we have a responsibility to leave that generational legacy of acceptance, which means extending grace and forgiveness. Proverbs 22, or 23, verse 24 says, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice he who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. And when we pass down that generational legacy of acceptance, something interesting happens when we offer forgiveness and grace to our kids. Something remarkable happens in most cases, and that is, is that they bless us for it. The wisdom that we provide, the righteousness we provide, but also the acceptance and the forgiveness and the grace that we provide. And so I want you to know today, on Father's Day 2020, in the midst of all the turmoil that's going on in the world, I'm going to be honest for a second, the world can be very depressing. It can be very discouraging right now. Wildly discouraging. For those of you who didn't live through 9-11, in my mind, 9-11 
was worse in some ways and not worse in other ways than what we see right now in our world. And I want to encourage you that in the midst of all of this terrible tragedy, these two diseases that we're faced with as a country and as a world, one that's a physical disease, one that's a spiritual, deep-rooted racism disease, during, in the midst of all of this chaos, I want you to be reminded in the midst of Beaufort County having its highest day ever of new COVID cases, I want to remind you that your heavenly Father is good and he loves you, and he chooses you, and he accepts you. And it's our responsibility to receive those things and to pass it on to the next generation, but also to trust that our God is the God of the gap. Our God is the God of the gap. Another honest moment as I close today. I will often tell you as my church that God gives me a little um, taste of whatever I'm preaching, either in the week leading up to or the the week after whatever I'm preaching on. And every pastor will tell you that's true. It's God's way of really getting us humble and ready. And even last night, I needed God to be the God of the gap because I wasn't a very good father last night. I wasn't a very good husband last night. I was tired, cranky. I wasn't a very good man last night. And I got on my knees last night after everybody went to bed, and I just opened my arms, and I asked God to reveal why in the world am I doing this, and how, how am I, how how do I get through this as a dad? And he whispered a few things in my ear that I needed to hear to shape me up, but you know what he also said? He said, Todd, I got it. I got this. Because when we fall short, when we fail, he is there. He's the God of the gap. When your dad doesn't measure up, when he didn't measure up all your life, when that person who's in that place of a dad fails to measure up, he is the God of the gap. When the world is falling apart, the good father is the God of the gap. And we can trust him today as we close, I want to pray a prayer of dedication over the fathers who are listening. So would you join me in a word of prayer? I want to pray this prayer of dedication over you, over me, over everything that we are as fathers. And I want to pray this prayer of dedication right now. Father God, I thank you so much for the fact that you are a good father. I thank you for the father that you gave me, who in his own way emulated so many of these characteristics that we talked about. Yeah, he fell short a time or two. But God, you had that. You were there in the gap. I thank you that you cover my gaps, that you help me when I fail and when I fall, when I royally mess up. God, I thank you for that. And I thank you that you are the God of the gap for everyone who's listening today. That you as the good father can cover a multitude of sins. You can fill in the sand for the gap that exists. And we thank you so much for that. And right now, I pray this prayer of dedication. Father God, may we 
as fathers who are Christian fathers, who are men who strive to be godly men and those who are serving in the role of a father, may we be people who understand that you love us and may we emulate that love to our kids in the next generation. God, may we be people who understand that you choose us and you chose us. And Father, may we, without question, choose to pass on the spiritual inheritance that we received to our kids and the next generation. And Father, I pray that you would help us to understand that you accept us with all of our flaws, with all of our junk, with all of the stuff that we have. And may we be people who accept our kids and the next generation, just like you accepted us. Help us to do that. Help us to realize that when we fail, that you, the good father, are the God of the gap. We thank you for being that good father. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.